My name is Celestine Ranny Howes, and I am married to Hillary and the mother of Alethea. I am Hillary Howes, uh, married to Celestine and parent to Alethea. I'm Alethea Howes, and these are my parents, Celestine and Hillary. I grew up in Hawaii and in Honolulu, and I currently live in Greenbelt, Maryland. So um, I grew up in San Jose, California, and uh, now live in Greenbelt, Maryland. I grew up in Mill Valley, California, and now I live in Brooklyn. I am a costume designer and an instructor, uh, adjunct professor whenever I can get a job, and uh, a fiber artist, fabric artist. I'm a uh, vice president uh, for a uh, and, and creative director for an entertainment uh, company down in the Maryland area. And I am a performer and writer. I'm a cradle Catholic, uh, born into a good Irish Catholic family. Uh, I've always gone to church. I've always been a regular Sunday mass goer. I don't think I, I think if I've missed, it's been a rare occasion. Um, Hillary's a convert and a late convert. Um, and Alethea, when she was little, of course, is baptized and raised Catholic. I was raised without any um, religious training, and so it didn't, um, I, uh, I assumed that I was uh, atheist until after my transition. I've accompanied Celestine to church on Sundays. Um, and when we arrived in Greenbelt, Maryland, uh, we discovered an intentional Eucharistic community. So that really made an impression on me. And after uh, three years of attending that every week, um, I uh, talked to a priest about uh, become about being baptized at that point. I wasn't really converting from anything else, so it was just being baptized and confirmed. I was born Catholic. I went to church with my mom uh, every week um, for the first 17 years of my life. Um, I have since left the church, but we spent a lot of time talking about um, the teach teachings of Christ and Catholicism. Um, so I think that it still uh, informs my sense of morals um, and values a lot. I never felt a particular sense of community uh, in Catholicism. Um, and the more I grew aware of sort of the dogma of the church, and especially with the, the last pope, um, I became less and less uh, happy with sort of the popular image of Catholicism. You tell people you're a Catholic and there's a very specific set of assumptions that go along with it and they never really applied to me. Mm -hmm. um, we've always been a very accepting family. We've always been very accepting of all lifestyles um, and that doesn't really go with the normal image of what Catholicism is. Um, and it became harder and harder to identify as a Catholic um, when it was being associated with um, so much hate and so many just ugly um, incidences. Growing up in a family that was so accepting of all lifestyles um, and having so many friends who were trans or gay or queer in any kind of way, um, it made me feel uncomfortable being associated with a church that was considered to be not accepting of those lifestyles. Growing up in our household was very happy usually, very loving. Um, 
we were sort of the weirdos in our community, <laughs> uh, being the theater people. Um, but I never really had a problem with that. I never felt a need to rebel against that um, because I was always very happy with my parents. We met at San Francisco State. I was a graduate student and I was a graduate assistant in the costume shop and Hillary was taking the costume class. And what actually drew me first to Hillary was her sense of humor. But it was really a summer theater where we got together. I wasn't looking and she wasn't particularly looking for anybody, but we started spending a lot of dinners together and um, something grew. We really connected in a very deep way. Um, spiritually and you know in terms of our values and that was something that we identified is that you know people can be very different in many ways but uh, and you know she's better at some things I'm better at others but um, in sharing the same values is something that we really connected deeply on and knew that was going to hold us together over in the long term. I actually was the one who asked Hillary to marry me uh, and, and I and believe the response was, was sure, December. why not? <laughs> so our marriage has lasted 37 years. I think it I think got off to a really good start. And uh, because we took time uh, to get to know each other, I think, uh, even though uh, everybody was surprised that we got married in a hurry, but there was no child on the way. <laughs> Um, but it was five years before uh, we were blessed with a child and uh, so we really did have time to get to know just each other. We've done so many things that challenge so many marriages. We've uh, traveled internationally together. <laughs> We've um, uh, remodeled houses. Um, we have, uh, well I changed my gender and, <laughs> that, and that breaks up a lot of couples. But not yours. <laughs> not ours. <laughs> The time of knowing when I was transsexual is, is kind of hard to put sometimes because uh, as a child I understood that I was different in some way and I actually recall uh, praying to a God I didn't believe in to let me wake up a girl. And back then, uh, back in the 50s and 60s, we didn't have any terms or words to describe this kind of thing and so I didn't have any kind of understanding of, of what that what that really meant. Back then if you uh, were born male and uh, wanted to be a female but wasn't attracted to uh, men then you were considered a cross-dresser, a heterosexual cross-dresser. And so for much of my life, I assumed that was it because I wasn't attracted to men. Um, but when I got into my mid-30s, it was really Celestine who said, I think you need to have, deal with some gender issues. I think there's something going on here. And so I found a uh, support group. I did a lot more reading and I got involved with a support group relating as a heterosexual crossdresser. Uh, we would do these um, uh, trainings for college students and so I was uh, I would go on a panel and that panel would include a crossdresser 
and a transsexual, and sometimes a male to female transsexual, and sometimes someone who identified as bigendered or androgen. And so it was through telling our stories, really, to these classes so that they could get a better understanding of the range of gender expression that I was listening to the transsexuals' stories and realizing that was really much more me than what I was portraying. And so it, that, it's, that's when it started to dawn on me. Um, it was really our trip to Disneyland for my 40th birthday. Um, Disneyland had always been a treat for us. Uh, it was about five hours away, so we would go down there while Thea was growing up. And for my 40th birthday, my treat was that I would get to dress as a woman for the entire time. We thought that uh, being away from um, our area, we wouldn't meet anybody, wouldn't risk meeting anybody um, that would, uh, you know, discover me. And so over that weekend, we, there was a lot of trepidation going there, and we were wondering, well, how would people react? And, you know, I, I didn't have an idea that I would pass as a woman uh, back then, uh, necessarily. And so what happened is absolutely nothing. There was no discovery at all. There was no reaction to two women with one girl, and there was no um, reaction to me going to bathrooms or anything like that. And so it was really on the ride home where I was going to have to dress as a man again that it occurred to me that I was going to need to transition if I was going to be able to uh, navigate life in a mode that was really more normal and natural for me. Um, and that was, that was kind of heartbreaking because at that point I realized that as, as important as it was for me to be a woman, it was still very important for me to be a wife to my wife and a parent to my daughter. And I couldn't really understand how I could navigate those relationships and with that identity. Now you've got to remember that was the mid-90s and so it was, it, would, it was still unusual, I would say, to have um, two women parenting a, a, a daughter. And so, uh, so that, that took some work. There were points at which it was like, okay, where is this going? What is happening? And because we had a daughter, I felt if there was going to be a major change, it would be lovely if it could wait until she grew up <laughs> and didn't have to go through that with us. But it also became more and more obvious that that, the drive, the need, the psychological and physical need that was happening was so intense. It was, in some ways it was like giving birth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was so intense, the, the force of it was so powerful that there was, a, there was a time in which I suddenly realized this is gonna happen no matter what, because it has to, it has to happen. So it, was, it wasn't easy. Um, it was harder for me, I think, as, a, as personal identification of who I was as opposed to who Hillary was. I could accept Hillary becoming Hillary. Mm -hmm. It was harder for me to accept that I was now going to be viewed as a lesbian. And it wasn't because I have a problem with lesbianism, it's just that that's not me. We spent a year in therapy uh, first with a therapist who uh, said marriages never survive a, trans a, a transition, never. Uh, 
at which point we both came out and said we need a new therapist. <laughs> um, luckily, being we were in San Francisco, there were several and we found one who was really good. And after our first session, she said, it's obvious you love each other, you just need to deal, figure out how to deal with this. And um, we did. <laughs> it wasn't easy and it was, uh, I think Alethea is gonna write a book at some point about. <laughs> well, I was about 10, mm -hmm. I think, when you right. told me that you like to wear women's clothing. Um, and to be honest, I don't remember that moment. I do remember about a week later, I woke up in the middle of the night and saw you in a night a nightgown. Mm -hmm. right. um, and I remember thinking, well, I'm glad she told me, otherwise I would think this was weird. <laughs> um, and I guess I'd grown up with so many people who were different from, you know, normal society uh, that I didn't really think it was weird as long as you told me about it. Um, and I knew that it was something that I shouldn't tell other people, but I, I never really thought of it as alienating. Mm -hmm. um, then I was, by then I was in middle school, and it was, it was harder then, because uh, when you're, you know, when you're at that age, when you're 12, that's when people really start to enforce that idea of normalness. Um, and it's something that you, you feel like you should want. Um, so it became more and more difficult for me. Mm -hmm. um, so there was, there was a day sort of near the end of the school year where they sat me down and said, Hillary is going to be living as Hillary. So I spent, you know, a summer being 12 and being angry and how could you do this to me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> because when you're 12, everything is about you. <laughs> My Catholic roots were very crucial to our staying together. Um, Marriage to me was forever. And I would not have gotten married if I didn't believe when I stood there saying, I do, that this was forever. Uh, I am a, I'm a very passionate person, but when I say passion, I mean passionate about everything. And when I, when I say something, it, I mean it. <laughs> uh, and I meant it, I meant it. I meant that this was forever. I'd found the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. So when we got to that tr transition point, that was a major factor was that this person wasn't changing. The interior person was still the same. It was an exterior change. And that didn't matter. I didn't marry the gender. I married the person. And so definitely the fact that I had that upbringing and that marriage had always been put to me not as it wasn't about the big wedding. It wasn't about the fancy dress. It wasn't about anything. It was about being with this person forever. What's normal for people <laughs> wasn't really important to us. What was important to us is being together the rest of our lives. It's a real challenge to the church, and it's a challenge the church needs to take up and, and show a radical acceptance of people who are marginalized by others. Uh, I think that that's a real calling for us in the church now. And I think the LGBT people um, in particular bring that to us. It's important for other people to hear the stories of those who are not like them and to understand that in reality, we are like them. We are human. 
we are part of the advancement of society, we are part of everyday life. Um, if someone else out there, and I, this part of this comes from my background, if some one person out there watches this and feels better or is saved or has a purpose suddenly goes, oh, well, wait, there's somebody out there like me, then that's important. Um, my mother, who is a very spiritual person, always said that we can't change the world, but we can change the person in front of us. We can help that person, and from that person, it spreads out. So I believe that if there's one step I can take to help even just one person, understand they're not alone, they're not on the outside, they are part of this world, this church, because this Catholic means universal, <laughs> uh, that, then that, that's important for me to do. And um, for me, I think it's, it's important that people see that a family as strange as ours uh, is still very happy and still very well adjusted. Um, and that, you know, especially for, for the LGBT youth, who think that, you know, their life is never going to get better or they're never going to be accepted. Um, this is showing them that that's not true, that you can have a very happy, loving family, um, that you can be in an accepting church. I think that's very important that people know that. So for me, really the importance of being here is to put a face to these terms. I mean, many, Many people have heard about transgender people and we see images in the media and it can t get pretty sensationalized. Um, as much as we say we're different, we're also a very normal family. <laughs> and in some ways that kind of normalcy, I think, uh, needs to be shared. Uh, in, in many ways, it's as hard to be Catholic in the transgender community as it is to be transgender in the Catholic community. Um, there's a lot of sort of suspicion and wonder and question from sort of both sides. And I think being here and being out about being Catholic and being transgender is, um, is important. Uh, so that's, I think that's what really brought us here to, to make a difference in terms of that and make a difference for the church to help it be continue to be relevant in the 21st century, they're going to need to find a way to build some acceptance in. And so we, we, uh, we like being that bridge. One of the things that I think is crucial to the church and to the life, and to life period is, um, is that there is God in each and every person and God created all of us. Anything that is created, God loves. Therefore, if God loves everything he's created, that means God loves everyone and everything. He doesn't create things that are to be discarded or to be reviled. If God created you that way, God created you that way for a reason and therefore, and loves you for that. So to put anyone, any group of people into a, this is a group that God hates, is wrong. It's not biblical, <laughs> it's not Christian, it certainly is not something Jesus did. Jesus reached out constantly to the under 
layers of society, to people that other people hated. He constantly went to them. Prostitutes, tax collectors who were really bad in the, in the Israeli world, um, fishermen, shepherds, lepers, anyone who did not fit in, this, in the upper stratas of the Hebrew society he was in, he went to them. He reached out to them. He lived with them. And if we can't live that way, then we're not being Christian.